0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching, recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, everybody. Um, I was just asking Phil, how long do I have to to, for the message this morning? Um, God is wonderful. God is excellent. is a God who is a living God that we serve. And today I stand with you because I believe I am a testimony of what God can do. I'm also an example of people who, like many of you have seen this morning, may have a problem in their life, a trial kind of challenge, sickness in the body, conditions that we don't really know, we don't really understand. The treatment can be difficult long-term, but God is God. God is God, and what it means is, once you are a child of God, God looks after you. And it means for all those who have come this morning to receive prayer, all those who have come this morning hoping that God will bless and heal them, they shouldn't lose hope. I did mention to Joe this morning, um, she gave a testimony about how God healed her on Tuesday. I did tell her, you are a living testimony of what God can do. And that's the way we should look at our lives we are written in the hands of God, and therefore we are testimony of what God can do. We all have challenges, we all have trials. My question to you this morning is very simple. What is your flavor? What is your flavor? It's not a song, it's not a theme, it's just a question that is addressed to each and every one of us. The reason being that we all have trials, challenges, and I will associate the term disappointment to challenges or trials because disappointment is a result of the challenges it's a result of the trials that we face and we do have many trials in life it can be health it can be with the children it can be relationship wise that our marriage is on the point of break breakup it can be that the children do not listen it can be that we are not having the children that we hope for God to bless us with It can be financial, it can be a job loss. So that's, the list is really big. But, you see, there is hope. And the flavor shouldn't be that of bitterness. I want us this morning to look at the book of Ruth. And if you have your Bible, please open to Ruth. It's just a book um, in the Bible that comes after the, the book of Judges. And I want us to actually really look at what God did for Ruth. The story of uh, Naomi is actually, I mean, there are three different people in that story, um, key people. We have Naomi, we have Ruth, and we are certainly Boaz. But that story, why I'm taking it this morning, I believe God wants to speak to you on how you should look at your life when you face challenges and trials. The story of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz is very specific in that she wanted to be called Mara. Mara, which means bitterness. So her flavor was that of bitter flavor, meaning that the experiences she has had in life, the pain of losing her husband and her two children, the desolation that she faced. She felt that she was no longer sweet. Her life was no longer worth the living. She would have been discouraged. But then when she returned to her land, People greeted her, and she said, Please do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt harshly with me. My life is bitter. Your life may look like it is bitter today, but God can turn things around to make it sweet again. So the flavor of God is always that of sweetness, is always a flavor that releases, you know, the goodness in our life. Do we want to stand for it? Do we want to appreciate it? Do we want to grab it? That's the question. Let's open the Bible We will read the book of Ruth, and I will take a few verses. Please bear with me. So we'll start from verse 1, just to give you the the context of what it is. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Killian. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Opa and the other Ruth. After they had lived there for about 10 years, both Merlin and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Verse eight. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant you, each of you, may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. Let's go to verse 13. Will you wait until they grow up? Will you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going. Back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred up because Naomi, because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune <coughs> upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, a daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. I will stop there. This is the story of Naomi and Ruth. And as I said, it is a story that is actually, the context is quite sad. Why it is taken immediately after the book of Judge is still to demonstrate that despite the children of Israel taking upon themselves to have men ruling over them, despite the fact that they sort of rejected God and say, we want a king, we want kings to rule over us, God still showed that he loves. Because after all, the book of Naomi is also a book of love. It demonstrates in Boaz that God is able to look after his own no matter what the challenge, no matter what the disappointment is, no matter what the trial we are facing. God looks after his own with love. Boaz was a loving man. We will see in chapter 2 that he then interacts with Naomi and the first thing he ask her, he will say, my daughter, are you willing to listen? Read that in verse 8. Are you willing to listen? Because he noticed that there was somebody who had come to glean in his land. And he asked his, his men, Who is that woman? And they told her, Is the Moabite woman? She's been gleaning, walking out throughout the day. But then he came to her and asked her, Are you willing to listen? So the first interaction, he assessed her obedience. When we are in situations that are difficult, when we are in situations that are trying us, you know, shaking us to the core, the first thing is to release a very good flavor that will be acceptable unto God. A flavor of faith, a flavor of perseverance, a flavor of godliness. Not complaining, not crying for your bitter situation. It can happen human human emotions. But step up, step up with faith. God was assessing whether the Moabite woman, who was a foreign woman to the land, was willing to be obedient. Are we willing to be obedient to God when we are going through tough times? I went to the hospital a couple of weeks ago. It was about three weeks ago, just after Easter. And um, I suffered from something that, you know, many people know over the years, but this time around was particularly difficult. Difficult to the point I got transferred to an hospital, local hospital, people did what they could, But I was in pain. I was in pain and I was struggling. And one, so many of you have prayed for me and I really appreciate your prayer. I'm thanking you for these prayers. They they worked. God is the God who wants us prayers. But in the midst of my troubles and trials and hallucinations and crying, then people visited me. And one of our friends, and I'm not going to mention the name, he will recognize himself, asked me, what do you do when things happen that way? Can you still praise God? Can you still worship God? And I paused. And I smiled. And I said, you know what? Because of the drugs that are so hard on your body, you might not necessarily be um, realizing that you praise God. But your inner body, your spirit will praise God. Even if it is only God help me, even if it is to say, God, I know you are able to take me out of there. Even if it is to say, God, these drugs, I have too much of them, but you can use them to take me out of here. You know, your spirit will praise and ask God. It will connect with God. Is your situation really too difficult for God to deal with? Is your mountain really unsurmountable that God will say, my hand is shortened, my ear is deaf, my eyes cannot see? It tracks you every single day. Because he has his spirit in you. Wherever you go, whatever you face, God sees you and knows. The reality of the problem or the reality of the matter is we tend to ask why. Why me? Why that situation? Why now? And God has only a single answer. Not the answer from Naomi to say your life should become flavorless. It should become bitter it has a single answer, which is, trust me. And that trust me is a timeless answer. It is not subject to when you will get out of the hospital, when you will feel better, when your bank account will be rosier. It is not subject to the timing. It is subject to your relationship with God. It is subject to that question coming to the core of your feet and pinning it down and saying, what flavor will you release? Jesus Christ was afflicted. He was beaten. He had so many trials and challenges. He gave the word and 120 people left him on the same day because what he was saying was too hard. The people on the road of Emmaus had lost their Savior and they didn't know where to go. They had their expectation, their hope dashed. And yet Christ walked with them on that road and at the end they realized he was the Savior. Their heart raised and they were happy. Are you waiting for the end of your trials or your challenge to start praising God? Or are you saying, God, you are God, you are my maker, you are the one who loves me, and I will praise you throughout the time of my trial. Are you going to say, like Malachi, that though things happen, yet I will still praise the Lord? Or are you going to be bitter like Naomi? Naomi was extremely bitter. She was extremely bitter, and as I said, she would have been extremely disappointed. She was a child of God. Why will her husband die? Why will her two sons die at the very same time? After all, she didn't do anything to warrant that suffering. She just followed her husband and tried to raise her children. And in the middle of this pain, she didn't realize that God had already provided that which will give her joy through her daughter in law. And that's where Ruth comes into play. Ruth is a person that is a foreigner to the people of God. She's a Moabite, She's not somebody who is of the Israelites. Yet she's been married to the son of Ruth and decides to stick with her mother-in-law. You have two daughters-in-law. One leaves and goes back to her country, whereas the other, Ruth, decides to stay. And she stays not to just show that she can stay. She stays to help, support, and care for her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law is asking her, why do you wait? Don't stay with me. I can't give you any other husband. I don't need you around. But she says, I'm staying with you. Your God will be my God. And that is a statement that she makes to put herself under the umbrella of God. That is a spiritual decision that has an impact about the way God will break through for them. He will give them the breakthrough. She is going through a tough time. She did not ask, as Naomi, she did not like to lose her husband or son's. And Ruth was probably young at that time. She could have remarried, right? She could have had an easy way. She could have gone back to her family, to her gods. The easy way out is not always God's way. And that's why we need to remember. Sometimes you think you see an opening. Well, that will take me out of my challenge. I'm going heads on. Have you prayed about it? Are you sure God is leading you through that? Are you sure that's what you need to do? God knows best. He sits on the throne. But God says that God cannot tempt. The Bible tells us God cannot tempt. So if you are in a situation that is tough to consume, do not think God tempts you. Because there are so many different times that we do take decisions on our own. We do live on our own understanding. And the decision we make sometimes comes and sort of is a boomerang effect. It hunts back. But equally, we live in a sinful world. So sometimes we haven't done anything wrong. Sometimes it just happens because we are in a sinful world where people have told God they do not need God. When people decide to rule countries and make decisions in nations that have nothing to do with God's will. And it comes and affects us because we live in the land. If somebody decides to go and break your car, you have no input in that. But you can do is ask God for provision and repair the car. You are not going to fight that person, you might be stabbed on the road. But God is God watching after you. And so there are other situations where the, s- the devil, we don't like his name, but the truth is he's is after the offspring of God. Why would he want you to prosper and continue to praise your God? So he's going to put trials and troubles in your life like he did for Job. But yet, we need to have the right flavor and not curse. We do not curse God. We do honor him. We do wait patiently for him. And we know that he always has the best for us. So think about where you are today. What is it that you cannot trust God for? I came this morning because Phil asked that those who feel pain in their body should come forward. It's not a show-off, it's just that I trust that my God can perfect the healing he has started. And in your situation, you need to trust that God can take you in a better land. You need to trust God that the life he's given you is a life of success, a life of goodness, a life that you will release a flavor in the, your surrounding and you will live prosper, in prosperity. And prosperity is not linked to money. Prosperity is a spiritual prosperity. is a prosperity that also means that we are the children of God, releasing the fruits, the godly fruits in the life of people that are close to us, and also for our own lives. Prosperity is that we are under the umbrella of God, and wherever we go, that's where God has ordained us to go. Prosperity does not mean how much zeros you have in your bank account. You can have little, but contentment is great gain. That's what the Bible teaches us. And little doesn't define your life. God does. So let's look at what happened to Naomi. It is very interesting. I have chosen a couple of verses which I like us to to run through. There are some verses which I believe have, are very significant. So, if we look at uh, root, so we look at um, b and I say b because it is the second part of the verse. It says, "No," she says, "No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes." that the end of the Lord has gone out against me. And I want to link it up to verse 16. And Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. So what it is there is Naomi's interaction with Ruth is to discourage her to follow her. We've already touched on that, but what I'd like to extract is, she says, "the end the of the Lord has dealt harshly with me." I'm sure we all have this thought in our mind at some stage. Yeah, let's not make any mistakes. We are not holier than thou. We are just human beings. So it's normal at times we come and the hand of the Lord has been harsh on us. God, why? Now the reality is that God is with us. And when we say that the end of the Lord has dealt harshly with us, what she's implying is that it's God who has actually pressed the button for her to be in that situation. Which is not true. Because God does not want any harm for us. He has good thought for us, to prosper us, to give us a future and a hope. This is our God, not harsh. So when things happen that way, the first thing I will just advise to you is let's be careful about the statements that we make concerning God. Let's be careful because God is a God. We talked about love today. If you say the hand of the Lord has dealt harshly with you, what you are saying is that God does not love me or he does not love me that much. And that is actually going contrary to the very essence of God. God is love. That's the very name of God. So if you start challenging the fact that God loves you, you are actually really questioning your Christianity in a way. Faith can make us make that mistake, but let's just be concerned about not saying God has dealt harshly with us. Faith can be the fact that life happens and we don't control events. I said God is not always the one behind things that happen to us. As Christians, I believe we are under the umbrella of God. But sometimes we also take decisions that take us out of that umbrella of God. And if you picture it in a way that the umbrella means that when there is rain or the sun is scorching, that umbrella protects you. If you take yourself away from that, you will be scorched or you will be wet. And that's when Christians sometimes get wet, scorched, or hurt by situations in life because we haven't wanted to stay under that umbrella of God. So please carry it and don't think that God does not love you. But then... You see, when she makes a negative confession, the hand of the Lord has dealt harshly with me, then there is the purpose of God that comes and appears in in Ruth and says, I'm staying with you. So equally, you can think that your situation is too tough, but God still has his tracker. (laughs) He still is with you. And he still shows that he will not leave you nor forsake you. So what Ruth decides to do in being with her mother-in-law, it is the purpose of God for Naomi as well as well as it is for Ruth. Let's look for the next verse, which I feel is very important. So the two women, they went on their way, they went to Bethlehem, they returned to Bethlehem. And then, Ruth 1, 19 to 22, from the NIV says, I will quickly say, she said, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? And then she goes on, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, her daughter-in-law. So I believe that the passage here is a passage of restoration. From the time that Ruth and Naomi decide to go back to Bethlehem, they go back because they've heard the Lord has blessed the land again, there is no longer famine, so they could actually go and get a living there. Bear in mind that she said the Lord, she went full and she came back empty. And sometimes, that's where we have to look at prosperity. She went full, so she had her husband, she had her children, everything was rosy, and she came back with none of them. It was very painful, it was very hard. But it is not an impossible situation. Because God said, he will not let us go under a we cannot handle. That's also the promises of God for us. And therefore, I think the critical point for Christians is always to remember the word of God in the midst of our trials the word of god is very sound and it will actually divide the truth and it will actually show you how god cares for you but it is the most difficult so when i received that question at the hospital can you still praise god it is in a sense do you still remember that god is with you even if you lay in pain even if you are hurt and if you are crying do you remember that god is with you do you remember that he hasn't forgotten about you do you remember that there is a way out do you remember that your breakthrough are coming? That's the question. Can you still praise God? And then she goes. And in verse 5, chapter 2, that's where the breakthrough starts. Ruth gets noticed by Boaz. In verse 8, as I said, that's the first interaction of Boaz and Ruth. Ruth would probably have been beautiful, but I don't think that Boaz was contemplating already, she should be my wife. He was curious. Who is this woman who has given selflessly for a mother-in-law? Who is this woman who is not from my tribe, and yet dare have come to glean in my land? Who is this woman? Who is a woman of virtue by what she's done? I'm sure the rumor will have gone into the land of Bethlehem that, look, Naomi left, she came back, she is with us now, but she has a lady with her, who is her daughter-in-law, but her husband is no more, and yet she supports her. So Naomi uh, Ruth went to glean so that she could provide for her mother-in-law. They were destitute, they didn't have anything, but she went to glean, and she found favor. You will find favor from the Lord if you stick to what he says to you. You will find favor from the Lord because he is a faithful God. The word of the Lord cannot be changed it will come to pass. Whatever he has promised is whatever will be. Do you believe? Then if you believe, the flavor will not be mara. And that's when root starts being noticed. And... Immediately when Boaz asked her, my daughter, will you listen? That's where the favor of God starts coming. He's saying, do not glean anywhere else. Do not go to any other land. You can be harmed. Stay there. Glean as much as you want. And Boaz gave direct instruction to his people not to prevent her from gleaning. She went on doing the work the day long and went back with the proceed to her mother-in-law. That's the beginning of favor. You came, you had nothing, and you Ended the day with something. That's the beginning of favor. And when she goes back to Naomi to give to Naomi what she gleaned, Naomi says, where did you go? And she's like, well, I found a man. His name is Boaz, and he was a kind man. God is kind. Boaz was represented the love of God and the kindness of God in our lives. God is always kind. Whether the devil makes us to think otherwise, whether the situation wants us to think otherwise, whether the challenge makes us to think otherwise, God is a kind God, is a loving God, is a faithful God, is a God who is trustworthy, and that's what Boaz did. He said, "You have received favor because of the things that you have done," and that's where you tie that back to verse one, uh, chapter one, when she said, "Your God will be my God," because that. She's actually accepted the God that is almighty. And that will set her free from the trouble. You think that at that point, she had in her mind the disappointment of losing her husband? No, she had to move on. She had to move on from that situation. And it's difficult. Believe you me, it is difficult. If you lose a loved one, not to talk about your husband and your two children, it is extremely difficult. But then she decided to allow God to direct her to go where she needed to be so that she could be blessed in return. Going to God is not going to God for sanction. It's not going to God for punishment. It's not going to God for, I don't know, any negative thing. It's going to God because we trust that he's able to turn around whatever we are in or whatever we are going through. And at that point, Naomi said in verse 20 of chapter 2, the Lord blessed him. She said to her doctor-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. They are talking about Boaz here. Blessed is he. What does it show? It shows Naomi recognized the end of the Lord in her situation through her daughter-in-law. That's the same woman who was saying, God has dealt harshly with me, and now she brings God back in our lives, saying, blessed be he of the Lord. So I recognize that God has seen my sorrow, God has seen my trouble, and he has brought somebody in the lineage of Boaz that will help me. And I want you to actually go back to this book, because she didn't say, because Boaz is a relative, that's why he helped us. That's not what she said. Sometimes we have relatives who don't help us in situations. In fact, we have many relatives who are actually uh, remote from our circumstances, from our situation, and who don't even want to care about us. But God cares. And she says, because the hand of the Lord is upon him, God has brought him into our life. So he's saying, God, I actually acknowledge you in my life again. You see, our faith can be at breaking point. It can be at breaking points. And these are the things that Jesus forewarned us about. The things that have suffered, you also will suffer. But when the devourer, the devil comes and is after us, he is after our faith in God. That's what he wants primarily to destroy. And sometimes, as I say, the faith is our breaking point because it is, I did say before, that the actions that we do as Christians define how strong we are in God. And... When you face that that challenge and you are no longer sure that God can help you, you then start looking for help elsewhere. That's when you realize, or you should realize, that your faith is at a breaking point. Because if God cannot help you, man will certainly not. And sometimes you leave God to go for friends, to go for family, to go for relatives to help you. Have you, bail you out, advise you, counsel you. They know no more than God that you serve. They are clueless. But they will still try. The situation of the faith that is at the breaking point was especially with Israel. I want to take that specific example. It's the book of Second King, I think verse six twenty-four 24 to verse 7. And essentially all what happened there is a quick story I will tell you. Israel was under siege from Assyria. And it was so bad they didn't have any food to eat, to the point that women were eating their children to survive because they were ensieged by Assyria. And God sent his prophet to say to the king, Look, by this time tomorrow you will eat in plenty. But this time tomorrow you will eat in plenty. Now the problem was that when Israel was besieged. And they were under these trials. And you come and tell to somebody where there is no food, where food is so dear, where people cannot share and they have to eat each other's children. And you tell somebody that you will have a lot of crops, you will have a lot of food tomorrow to satisfy your need. They will not believe you. They will not believe you because they read the situation in which they are currently. We live in time T. We always see what happens Right now in front of our eyes. And God wants us to see what will happen with his eyes in the future. Because the future is his, as much as is the present. But God said, by this time tomorrow, you will eat in plenty. By this time tomorrow, your trial will be no more. Your challenge will be forgotten about. Your life will be back on track. Do you want to believe? Let's go back to Naomi and Ruth. Verse, chapter three is all about Boaz negotiating the redemption of Naomi. Uh, of Ruth. He's actually saying, I can't marry you. She's shown so much kindness and there was talk of about you know getting married to her, uh, so that you know she will not stay childless and that you know the lineage of her, her family will be maintained. And then essentially he goes and speaks to the elders and they don't want to redeem Ruth and it comes to Boaz, who is the next one who can then redeem Ruth. He then redeems her and agrees to marry her. And Boaz was extremely wealthy. And I want to just read something that really touched me. So Boaz's answer in verse 12 of chapter 2 was initially the significance of the selflessness of Ruth. That's what is portrayed there. But later on, we want to see that Boaz has decided to marry uh, Ruth. I just want to quickly go to the, the, the scripture in there in verse four. In chapter four, sorry. Okay. So we are in chapter four. Let's read from verse one. He says, Meanwhile Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian. Redeemer. Look at the word the Bible used, the guardian redeemer. He sat there as a guardian redeemer. He had mentioned and came along. And Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who had come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of this seated here and in the presence of the elder of my people. So what he's doing is actually following the traditions so that he is not taking both the land and road to himself. He was somebody who was already wealthy. He didn't need to abuse or take advantage of people who are desperate. In our situation, sometimes we are desperate, we are disappointed, and so many people are ready to pounce on us. But God is always going to protect us and shield us. Amen. And that's what Boaz did. So he actually came and said, he wants to be the guardian redeemer. And then verse 8 says, so the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. That was just the tradition to show that I'm buying it. And then we go to verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Remember that Ruth had been married and had also been childless. Do you think of a woman who was childless for her so long who has decided to stick to her mother-in-law and then finally, probably in a quiet time, sits, looks at her life and realizes, I've lost my husband. I'm stuck to my mother-in-law. She's not always nice to me, maybe. And then I'm gleaning, so I'm working very hard, and I will have no inheritance because I'm childless. That was her situation. But never throughout the book of of Ruth you will hear Naomi complaining. What she does is always saying, what you want me to do, I will do. She says it to her mother-in-law, she says it to Boaz. is somebody who is obedient to the point that she receives the blessing. And I will bring that obedience back in front of you to understand that as Christians, obedience should be one of our key flavors. Obedience is irrespective of what happens to us, is just direct implicit obedience, trustworthy obedience to God and his instruction or to the people that God has appointed. No matter how difficult it will be. So She conceived a son. Do you know that that son was the grandfather of King David? So God has brought Ruth to be blessed and to be in the lineage of King David and in the lineage of Jesus Christ. A person that was not from Israel. She was not from the land. Why? She got blessed that way because of obedience. She got blessed that way because of her selflessness, because of her kindness. And sometimes when we are under trial, we are not able to help anybody. We only focus on how tight our shoes are. We are not able to encourage anybody. We focus only on how difficult it is for us. We are not able to release from our pocket because we focus on how much more money we want rather than to see the needs around us. So it is important that we have the right flavor. It is important. Ultimately, what it goes at the end of um, Ruth, chapter four, is just the genealogy of David, showing that um, Ruth had had been from that genealogy. She actually had been; she's received the blessings. And I just want to to close probably today on saying something about tough times. They will happen. We can't control them, but they will happen. What we can control is our response to these tough times. What we can control is our response to disappointment. Because once we are disappointed, we we give up. And I think that God does not expect his Christians to give up. He expects them, yes, they can be disappointed, but certainly not to give up. Is there anything that you have given up on? Have you given up on the praise and worship of your God because of your situation? If you have, then come back because God is waiting for you. Have you given up because things... You felt that you are at a corner, there is no breakthrough, you have prayed and you have asked and you have knocked and thought and you haven't got any answer. But God does not necessarily look at what's happening today. He knows what's happening today, but he has a plan for us. And that plan is good. And that's why we should stick to. Don't always try to understand what happened in your life because even Job didn't. We cannot understand whatever happens to us. We cannot You can think and think about it, but we cannot master it. God can. What we can do is say, it happens, okay, God, what do you want me to do? God, how do you want to lead me? And God will encourage you. You see, I was in that Sheol. I did mention that to to my friends there, uh, Tony and Carlene when they came. It's like Sheol, you know, wilderness, dryness, pain, and hurt. And I was there for two weeks just after Easter. And I had no hope to come out of the hospital on time. And my contract at work actually was meant to expire on the 26th of April, by the way. So it's always good to be at work so that they see how you move up and down and think that you are doing a lot of work so that they say, hey, we want to renew your contract. But hey, I was in the hospital for three weeks. My contract was coming to an expiry. I was, was just after Easter. Friends were at my home for Easter, and they stayed a week longer to stay with me, and I couldn't even enjoy their company. And I could barely pray. I could barely pray. Because I was always in and out of sleep. I could barely pray. I was always focusing on my pain. But you know what? Even in in my wilderness, I think there was a still small voice talking to me. I'm with you. There were people coming to visit me saying, God is with you. And when I came there last week, or so, and people were actually coming to me. How are you? We prayed for you. We really thought about you. I really felt love. And that's why you should feel from God. Because God loves you through the people that he surrounds you with. But he loves you also because you are his. Nobody can take you away from God. He loves you. You are his. Why will you let the problems you face dictate how much you respond to that love? It's unquantifiable. It's too big. And today we were singing the songs there. And there was one song that was saying, we are in trials, we are in difficulties, but God, you are God. God is God. And for that only we should praise him. So don't give up. Don't despair. If you do, lift yourself up. Look up to God, the author and finisher of your faith. He's the one who will strengthen your faith because he has deposited it in you in the first place. He said, those who he has in his hand, Nobody can snatch them away. And he certainly doesn't want the situation to snatch you away from his specific purpose for your life. Trust God. Those who trust God this morning, who trusted God, they came this morning, they prayed and received healing. It might not be right now, it might be in the next hour, it might be in the next day. Joe had to wait for a couple of weeks. I may have to wait for 14 years or for a day. Who knows? I will still praise God. And thank you for that question, by the way. Because it really made me think about what it means to praise God on the trials. And that's what we should think about today, because God loves you. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless. And goodbye.